Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It is time again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, the situation at the border just doesn't seem to get any better. Farmers and ranchers have been dealing with a lot of problems down there since the beginning of the year, and those problems continue. We'll have more on that story to kick off today's show. Also, wheat harvest has about wrapped up in Texas. Yeah, I know, it's August. We normally do that in June. But with all of the rain we've had this year, we actually have had some farmers that didn't get their crop out of the field until this month. We'll check in with one of those Central Texas farmers in just a bit. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. As they continue to battle high feed costs, many cattle feeders in the Texas High Plains are making the move from corn to wheat. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Hey harvest conditions in eastern Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Coastal Bend farmers continue to be busy harvesting their crops. This is R.V. Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas farmers and ranchers have always dealt with illegal immigrants along the Mexican border, but it has definitely gotten out of hand this year. It used to be a laughing matter. It's no longer a laughing matter. That's Fausto Salinas. He farms in Hidalgo County in the Rio Grande Valley. I used to joke about it, you know, and I tell them, well, well, you all don't want to come work. Let them come work. But a lot of these people I've I've seen on the farm and I'll talk to them and there, nobody has work in their mind. They're, they're coming here with the mentality that they're going to be taken care of. And I think that's wrong. Salina says he's constantly dealing with problems caused by the immigrants, including damage to fencing and destroying his sorghum crop as they walk trails through his fields. It's the wheat harvest that would never end. The 2021 wheat crop endured massive challenges this year, including the big winter freeze in February, followed by constant rainfall in May and June. Central Texas farmer John Paul Deneen says he just finished his wheat harvest last week. So I finished uh, on August the 8th, uh, which is just for our part of Texas is just unheard of. We're usually finished by the mid part of June. The Dean says there wasn't much left to harvest near the end with dismal test weights after receiving 39 inches of rain in two months. More broadband access is on the way for Texas farmers and ranchers. Jessica Domel has the details. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is investing nearly $4.5 million to deploy broadband infrastructure in rural Texas and Oklahoma. The funding is part of a greater $167 million package of grants and loans deployed across 12 states as part of USDA's ReConnect program. Dale Moore from the American Farm Bureau Federation said the funding will help bridge the digital divide. 
This is going to be so important to farmers and ranchers and our neighbors in the rural communities. The funded service area in Texas and Oklahoma includes 986 households, 2,657 people, three schools, a health care facility, 67 businesses, and 60 farms in a 41-square-mile area. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. USDA says corn sales for the 2021 marketing year ending on August 31st took a big jump. Sales of corn for offshore delivery totaled 377,000 metric tons in the seven days ending on August 5th. That's up noticeably from the previous week and the prior four-week average. Mexico was the big buyer of U.S. corn at 144,000 metric tons, followed by Japan and Venezuela. High feed costs are causing some Texas cattle feeders to move from corn to wheat. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. Out at the Big Cattle Conference in Nashville last week, there were some very optimistic forecasts given on what's ahead for those in the livestock business, but for now... Making money as a Texas High Plains feed yard operator is not easy. Guys are still putting cattle on feed at a loss, even though it's getting better daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly. That's Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association, who says at current fed cattle prices, feed yards are losing about $100 a head on a cash basis. While the cost of buying feeder cattle has risen recently, the big issue for cattle feeders continues to be high corn prices, a situation that has prompted many feed yards to make a significant change. We have quite a few entities that have switched over to using wheat. Miller says changing the feed ration shouldn't be taken lightly because Once you start an animal on a product, if it's wheat or if it's corn or if it's milo, you're feeding that animal the duration of his stay in the feed yard you're feeding that animal that product. Still, looking at where things appear to be going with the outlook for this year's corn crop around the country, wheat may continue to be an attractive option. At the end of the day, the economics will drive the show, and right now it's shown wheat's a good product to feed, and I think our guys will continue to feed that as we move into the new corn crop and the drought that continues to occur up north in the corn belt, especially in the western corn belt, and into the Dakotas, I think wheat's going to be a viable product for our members to continue to feed. In tomorrow's report, we'll hear more from Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association as we discuss feed yard inventories around the region. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It's been easy to grow grass here in Texas this year, but putting up good quality hay has been a big challenge. Tom Nicoletti has the story. We go to Overton and catch up with Dr. Vanessa Olson. She is Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service forward specialist. And uh, Vanessa, the cuttings in East Texas were late this year because of uh, all the uh, wet conditions. Fill us in on the status of uh, the hay at this point and what producers are doing here in August. Yes, we were very blessed at the beginning of this kind of spring, early summer. We got a lot of rainfall. Unfortunately, that did not create excellent hay harvesting conditions. A lot of producers weren't able to access their fields because of wet, saturated conditions where their equipment couldn't get into the field. And then if they did get hay cut, then we needed days of sunlight and dry conditions to cure that hay. Luckily now, we are having some good drying conditions, some warmer temperatures, some sunshine that helps with hay drying. In normal years, producers in that region of the state uh, can get uh, up to three cuttings. Is that right? 
Yes, that is correct. With moisture and fertilization, many of our producers can get three, even possibly four harvests of Bermuda grass or Bahia grass during the summer as long as everything goes right. We can continue to harvest hay even into September and maybe even October if we have warm weather that still allows or promotes Bermuda grass or Bahia grass growth and production. Hay quality is probably going to be very low, especially for those of us in the very high moisture areas that had to delay harvesting so we weren't able to harvest it at appropriate time so that forage was more mature so that's going to decrease value or if it was harvested and then it got rained on before it was ever baled or put into storage that will diminish or decrease hay quality as well. That is Dr. Vanessa Olson with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service in Overton. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Harvest season is moving full speed ahead in the Texas Coastal Bend. Harvey Buring has an update from Corpus Christi. Well, the month of July and August are always busy harvest times here in the Coastal Bend, but uh, this year it appears that it'll be the busiest in early to mid-August, and that's because the weather conditions in 2021 have had a way of altering the typical crop maturity and planting days, and it squeezed a lot of all three of our major crops into early and mid-August time frame for harvest. Now, grain sorghum is the largest acreage crop in our area and the first to mature, and it typically comes out of the field during the first three weeks of July, but this year, those wet field conditions resulted in a two-week delay in sorghum harvest. Currently, about 95% of that crop has been harvested, but there were some late-planted fields that had to... uh, have a little more time to mature, and many of those will be harvested in the coming week. Corn is typically harvested in the last part of July, but those wet field conditions again delayed corn harvest and congestion at some of the local elevators trying to handle that incoming late sorghum crop had some operators requesting farmers hold off a week or two in corn harvest. But currently corn harvest is underway here in the Coastal Bend area. And the few farmers that did get in early planting of cotton have that crop maturing and many of the cotton harvest crews are starting to move into some of the cotton fields in the area, although the majority of the cotton harvest will be taking place in the latter part of August and well into early September this year, the way it appears around the countryside. And of course, anyone with hay, they've been busy throughout the area harvesting hay here in early to mid-August. This is Harvey Beering reporting from the Coastal Bend area for Texas Ag Today. The Animal Health Commission is asking for the public's input on new chronic wasting disease containment and surveillance zones. I'm Jessica Dolmel and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And it's been cooler than normal so far this year, but here in the middle of August, we can definitely say we're into the hot summer temperatures, and that can affect the cow herd. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. We have been blessed with a much wetter and cooler year here in 2021 in Texas. But as we're in the middle of August, we are definitely into the hot summer temperatures. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd says that can cause a lot of stress on the cow herd. It is important to monitor heat and humidity and prevent heat stress rather than to try and treat it. Heat stress occurs when cattle are unable to dissipate heat, and this can lead to reduced feed intake, reduced weight gain, reduced reproductive efficiency, and milk production. Cattle with heat stress have an increased respiratory rate, increased heart rate, and panting, and all of this requires extra energy. Water is critical for these cattle in hot weather, as beef cows nursing calves need almost 20 gallons of water per day, as do most bulls. So make sure you have enough water. Animals most susceptible to heat stress include the very young and old animals and those with dark coloration. Cattle need plenty of space to get to the water troughs, and each adult animal needs two inches. So if you have 200 cattle in a pen, you need 400 inches of trough space available. Always make sure your water supply lines and pumps are in good condition, as you don't want to have a large number of cows depending on water and not be able to provide it. North Dakota State Extension recommends feeding cattle in the late afternoon or evening so digestion can take place in the cooler nighttime. Controlling flies is important as this just adds stress to the cattle and provides shade if at all possible. Certainly it is not a good idea to work cattle in the heat of the day and use minimal handling techniques if you must work cattle. It is much better to work cattle starting at daylight than after they have been standing in the sun all day and working them in the afternoon. If you have to work cattle in this weather, adding a sprinkler system over the pens with large droplets of water may help decrease the heat stress. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Animal Health Commission is asking for public input on new chronic wasting disease containment and surveillance zones. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. Hunters and deer breeders in areas where chronic wasting disease has been found this year may soon need to take additional steps to prevent the spread of the deadly neurological disease. The Texas Animal Health Commission is now accepting comments on proposed CWD containment and surveillance zones. Dr. Andy Schwartz, Commission Executive Director, says a containment and surveillance zone is proposed for the area near Lubbock where a free-ranging mule deer tested positive for the disease in late February. That covers parts of Lubbock, Lynn, Crosby, and Garza counties. There's another expansion of a surveillance zone in Uvalde County to take in the area around one of the newly discovered positive facilities there in in Uvalde County. So that one was expanded for that reason. And then there's an additional surveillance zone in northeast Texas that takes in Hunt, Kaufman, Rockwall, and Van Zandt counties. And that's around a positive facility that was disclosed there recently. People who breed animals that may be susceptible to CWD, like deer, are not allowed to move susceptible animals outside of a containment zone unless the herd is certified and underwent an epidemiological review by the Animal Health Commission. 
Now, if it's in the surveillance zone, it's a little bit easier. It just needs that IPI review, but it wouldn't have to be in a herd certification program or, or have a certified status to move. Hunters who harvest CWD-susceptible species within a containment or surveillance zone are required to bring their animals to a check station within 48 hours of harvest. You can comment on the Animal Health Commission proposal until September 5th. A link is available on the Texas Animal Health Commission website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a lower trade in the cattle complex on Tuesday, but the cotton market took off like a rocket. Unfortunately, it came back down to earth before the market closed. We'll take a complete look at Tuesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As harvest begins, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to be diligent in taking the proper precautions to ensure treated seed does not enter the domestic or export grain supply. When properly handled, seed treatments are an effective agronomic tool that provides seeds the necessary protection for a strong, healthy start. Completely remove all treated seed left in containers and equipment used to handle harvested grain and dispose of it properly. Always be careful to follow state and federal guidelines for proper handling, storage, and disposal of treated seed. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was a lower trading day for the cattle complex on Tuesday. We ended up closing lower in both live and feeder cattle futures. August live cattle down 22, 123.30. The October down a dollar, 128.12. December live cattle down 65 cents, 133.82. Same story in feeder cattle. August down 62 cents at 156.57. September feeders down a dollar seven, 160.92. The October down 67 cents at 164. 427. Cash Fed cattle market quiet on Tuesday with one exception. We did see a report of a group of reputation cattle in Nebraska, several thousand heads selling for $128.75. That's two to three dollars higher than the top of last week's Nebraska Fed cattle trade. No other sales reported. Boxed beef higher again on Tuesday. Choice up 576 at 335.56. Select up 243. 305.98. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, when you hear the cattle beller on a Monday, let's check a Friday sale out. Kenny Mingus sold them up there in Milam County on the Little River. Kenny, how'd your sale turn out? Pretty good, Larry. We had a total of 1,516 cattle. Out of that mix, we had 263 cows, 21 bulls, 207 sellers, and 79 buyers. Let's walk the pins. All right, on the steer calves, under 300, 143 to 220, 3 to 400 pound steers, 131 to 225, 4 to 500 pound steers, 119 to 205, and over 580 to $1.80. On the heifers under 300, 121 to 2 bucks. 3 to 400 pound heifers, 110 to 187 and a half. 4 to 500 pound heifers, a dollar to dollar 70. And over 570 to a dollar 55. On your packer cows, uh, about steady, about steady from 30 to 76. Uh, bulls about the same from 60 to 98. On the stocker cows, uh, the bread cows from 300 to 15 and a quarter. And on the cow calf pairs from 800 to 1500. What do we know coming for this next Friday sale? I've got about 20 something, I'm going to call them Angus Plus cows that are coming this week. They're supposed to be bred four to six months and they're supposed to be coming with their second baby. There'll be 23 of those uh, be bred back to red Angus bulls. 
but we do have a few drags of these yearlings still coming. So I think we'll have a pretty decent run again. Some of these farmers are kind of wrapping up. Some of them are still hitting it pretty hard, so we'll uh, we'll just have to see how it shakes out. We missed the rain; it went around us, and but we got a shot today. So yep, what, what happened? Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Kenny. You bet. Just catch us at the barn Monday through Wednesday from about ten to three at two five four six nine seven six six nine seven. Follow us on our webpage at MilanCountyLivestockAuction.com or catch us on Facebook. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pins. I'm your host, Larry Marble. We're a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs. Close lower on Tuesday. October dropped a dollar ten eighty-seven ninety. December hogs down seventy-seven at eighty-one oh seven. Class three milk was mixed. The nearby August up two cents, sixteen seventeen a hundred. September milk down thirty-nine at seventeen twenty-one. We saw a big run-up in the cotton market on Tuesday. In fact, the December contract hit a nine-year high of ninety-six point seventy-one cents. However, we backed off of that, gave back a lot of those gains. We did end up higher, but still, there is a thought that we've got a really good crop going here in Texas, and that's keeping a lid on these big run ups in the market right now. We close with October cotton up 85 points, 95.70. December cotton up 59, closing at 94.90 cents. The corn market closing lower on Tuesday. September corn down six and a half, 5.58 and a quarter. December corn down five and a quarter, 5.63 and a half. We saw a fairly big tumble in the wheat market on Tuesday, both hard and soft wheat closing lower. Thoughts that this run-up we've seen in the wheat market here over the last month is pricing U.S. wheat out of the world market. We could also be seeing some profit-taking as well after this big run-up in prices. September Kansas City wheat down 19 and three quarters, 716 and three quarters. September Chicago wheat down 26 cents at 734 and a half. Rough rice finished lower. September down 10 and a half cents at 1344 and a half. It's November soybeans down six and three quarters, closing at 1361 and a half. September soybean meal up 70 cents, 360.10 a ton. In the energy market, September natural gas lost 12 cents, 382. September crude oil down 58 at 66.71 a barrel. The financial markets lower Tuesday. The Dow down 355 points at 35,270. The Nasdaq down 160 at 14,635. The S&P down 40 points. 4,438. That wraps up our markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.